Hi guys, it's Emmett. So thankfully today is sunny, partly sunny, cool, uh, touch windy. We had a crazy windstorm that came through yesterday. Trashed my new tarp, ripped out three of the corners, one of which I repaired nicely. The other two just got softballs tied into the corners and reapplied. Um, uh, so my new favorite blog by Beth Tilson. Tilson? Tilton? Shoot. I think it's Tilson. With an S. Sorry, Beth, if you're listening to this. Uh, oh, it's got to be Tilson, because there's a Tilton library, uh, which is our main library, and that's why it's getting muddled in my head. Um, she has a new post out on her blog. Um which goes into the idea of how we got to this place in our culture where it's become acceptable to not know how to use your hands. And even, um, not cool, but uh, uh, more respected to be someone who doesn't know how to use your hands. And that's, that's okay. That's, that comes with sort of higher status. Um, and it got me thinking about my own relationship with my hands. Because I think um, that same dichotomy exists within me and within all of us of, of being taught by school that what matters is how to use your brain um, at, at the expense or just at ignoring how to use your hands. Um, and I was certainly taught a little bit of how to use my hands, but my parents are not particularly handy. I had access to a hammer, but wasn't ever really taught, you know, how to, how to make things. Um, my dad's a great gardener, so that was good to see. Um, and then probably the saving grace for me was working on trail crews and then sailing ships when I was a teenager. And that gave me access to a world where people were very good with their hands and had a huge amount of expertise that was immediately applicable and you could understand why it was so valuable. But I've always been smart enough in school for school to sort of push me in that direction of just using my head. Um... And it's only by accident that I ended up where I am today, where I use both in equal measure. It would have been easy for me to end up in a job where I didn't use my hands at all. For me, using my hands has become quite familiar, but there's always been two blind spots or weak spots or things that I'm uncomfortable with when it comes to using my hands. And it's possibly because it's places where uh, they seem a bit mysterious. And that is technology and machinery. I've never been exposed to either in any meaningful way, and I've never felt drawn to either. And as such, they are definitely my weak spots. And I consider using technology a something where you're using your hands because 
there is an innate understanding of how technology works that even though it's all digital and manipulated on a screen, it has a much greater resemblance to fixing a uh, you know a motorcycle than it does to thinking thoughts about thinking philosophical thoughts, right? It is a practical skill. And as such, it's always been super intimidating to me. And that is definitely, those two things are definitely things that have held me back from certain avenues. And it makes me wonder if as makers, if when we are drawn to one thing versus another, we tend to frame it in the positive. We tend to say, oh, I'm drawn to spoon carving because of the simplicity of the knife and the axe and blah, 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 blah. When really, if I was being realistic, I was probably drawn to it because doing woodworking that involved more machines and like parts and bits and moving pieces seemed more intimidating. And sure, there's a, you know, I stumbled upon an area where there is a beauty to the restrictions of not having those machines. But if I'm being truthful, the original inclination was born out of fear of machinery and not from some rational assessment of the value of these old traditions, blah, blah, blah. And I think the same is true of technology. I used to be very adamant that I was anti-technology. And then circumstances changes changed and I had to uh, adopt technology in order to have the life that I wanted. And now I have it. And the more I use technology, the more I recognize that my old views on technology were too black and white. They were fairly knee-jerk reactions that were largely based out of my ignorance and therefore fear of what the technology was, how it worked, what its possibilities were. And the more that I have used technology, the more I have come to appreciate all the amazing things that I can do with it as a, as a tool. <clears throat> and there are still many, many, many aspects of technology that I'm unfamiliar with and uncomfortable with, but I at least have done the work to recognize that my flat denial that technology at all was something I wanted to pursue was born from a place of fear and not one of experience. And I suspect that that pattern holds true for all of us. For different things, obviously, for all of us. But when we feel uncomfortable with a subject, that feeling of being uncomfortable can lead us to make blanket statements about the subject 
that to us feel really true. And maybe we are articulating them using a fair amount of logic, you know, a logical framework of, you know, technology is bad because it isolates us from the real world and makes us lose our ability to use our hands and so on. But of course, the truth is more nuanced. Using this technology in my hands right now, I've been able to interact with people all over the world. It's made the world seem both big and small. It's brought me many beautiful connections, inspired me in so many ways, and powered my ability to make this journey at all. That is the truth, not the thing that I first said. The problem is that a lot of times the things that you say when you're scared of something and you're coming up with elegant reasons why that thing is not for you or not for anyone, those elegant reasons sound really good, especially to someone who hasn't done the work to think deeply about the subject or who hasn't been exposed to that subject or shares the same discomfort as you do. I'm sure I found those ideas talked about by somebody in some book and probably without me having the experience to recognize that that was the case, that person who expressed them to my teenage mind was probably deeply uncomfortable with technology also. And maybe for the same reasons. Maybe some of them were uncomfortable with technology having had the experience with technology, but I think a great deal of them were basically me at that point, but further along. And I was just finding their views, and it reinforced my views. So I adopted them. So, to my mind, the, the important question is not what matters more, using your head or using your hands. The important question is, what are our blind spots? What are the things that we hold dear? That we hold dear out of fear, even if it's fear that we don't ourselves recognize. That if we were to be deeply honest and say, actually, you know, I'm not particularly fascinated with cars because I didn't grow up around people who did anything with machines and I feel totally ignorant and stupid and I don't like feeling that way and I never had a way into that culture. That's the truth. Dogs, come here. Yo, come here. Come right here. Dogs, come here. Maisie, come here. Hey, a little bit closer. Okay, this way. So I could see that it rolling the other way also, right? Someone who says, oh, 
you know, spoon carving is so quaint and silly. You know, what's the point of that? That's someone who is at a point in their journey where they feel deeply uncomfortable with their ability to handle the messy imperfection of using hand tools like that. And not hand tools like a plane where there's a stop at the throat, but hand tools like a knife where you there is no depth stop. And maybe you think to yourself, well, I'm neither of those things. But I guarantee that there's something in your life that you feel is just not for you. Maybe it's video games. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's pop culture. Maybe it's alternative culture. And whatever you think is not for you, you're probably thinking that because it wasn't something that you had an in to, a way into. And so it feels uncomfortable. And that discomfort is breeding fear. And that fear is getting masked as some rational response. And that's all it is. I had... Thank goodness. Uh, my best friend in college uh, was my freshman roommate. Hey, Willa, come on, let's go. Leave the horses. Willa, come on. Willa, come on. Let's go. And I arrived in college. Come on, Willa. I arrived in college very opinionated about music. I was turning up my nose at pop music of all stripes, convinced that it wasn't good. I had all sorts of reasons. I could have told you about how pop music was manufactured, how there wasn't skill in it, on and on. And my college freshman roommate, uh, thankfully, was at a very different place in his life where he was embracing all of those things. And he introduced me to, well, to so much music, but also to the idea that it was okay to like everything. That it was okay to see the beauty in everything. That I didn't need to have some hard opinion about whether something was good or bad. And that if I let myself, I would probably enjoy a lot more than I was letting myself enjoy in life. And that's something that I've thought about constantly since then. Because I feel like what happened was there were these deep-seated assumptions about who I was and what I valued that were set in high school based on what my family did and did not expose me to and did and did not value. And I told myself a story about myself, about who I was, and about why that was good. In some ways, this was a coping mechanism to deal with feeling socially awkward and somewhat bullied. 
But in many ways, it was just because I hadn't been exposed to these things. And so a big part of becoming a grown-up for me was recognizing those tendencies where I came into adulthood with hard opinions. I then had to go through a long period that I'm probably still in where I'm letting go of those opinions. And recognizing that the places that I am most opinionated about are also the places that I have the least experience and that I am constantly shoving under the bed and trying not to think about. And ironically, the more I can learn about those areas and educate myself about them, the more nuanced my opinions have become. And the more comfortable I am in my own skin. Because it's a comfort born not from certainty about what is good and what is bad, but it's rather a comfort that comes from being okay with ambiguity, being okay with subtlety, being okay with contradiction sometimes. Sometimes people reach out to me in my posts on Instagram and say, didn't you just say the opposite of this thing the other day? And I say, yeah, I probably did. And that's me being comfortable with being able to say contradictory things. That I think one thing, and I think the other thing also. And the two seem mutually exclusive. But what I've come to recognize is that it's not that they're mutually exclusive, it's that they are mutually true. And I think that is the greatest gift that we can come to as adults is to reach a place where we have enough openness and experience, and I'm not by any means saying that I'm there yet, but where we can have enough openness and experience to recognize that lots of things in the world are true that seem mutually exclusive, but instead are mutually true. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk tomorrow.